listening to the Dr. Claude Kirshner Show. My name is Dr. Claude Kirshner, and we are here to serve organizational leaders and agile teams who strive for excellence and differentiation. I hope you enjoy the content. If you have any questions or would like some additional resources, please visit our website at www.archconsults.com. Enjoy. Now I have to convince you why this business is a better investment than keeping in cash, putting in treasury bonds, putting in the stock market, or investing in another company besides mine. So I have to quantify your investment. I have to come up with assumptions. I have to list financially what this investment of yours is going to look like. And I'm going to have to convince you, the person who is very good at managing money, that this investment is going to be is going to provide a better return than other investments that you can potentially invest your money into. That's a big deal. That's why we're sitting here today. So real human and financial capital must be rented from owners. Money has owners and therefore costs. Time value we talked about, risk. If you don't invest this money, the money is literally gonna depreciate value. So we must invest it. So wouldn't that be a good question to ask? Did yeah. I, is this our money? Do we own this, this million dollars or is this somebody else's money? Big difference, right? But let's let's run through the the scenario of if it's not our money, what's the downside of losing it all? No, so you, you have this isn't your money, you, you're assuming. And then if you lost it all, who cares? Does it matter? Of course it matters. So then here's the other question. If it's not your money and you have no downside, if you lose it all, what would you invest in? All of these are known organizations, right? Pretty well established. A lot of people have discovered that. You know, they've invested in them in the past and likely they, they were invested in at early stages. So if this wasn't your money and there was no downside, so you can't have this money. This isn't yours. You're being tested. There's no downside. Wouldn't you choose the riskiest investment that you could possibly do? Why wouldn't you? So don't just agree with me. I'm just curious. Yeah. In which case your reputation or your credibility might be hampered. You're, you could feel like a failure. I mean, there is some downside to it. Would be an investment that would likely provide the largest return. How do we how do we get involved with those organizations? And being in that space of understanding what companies are growing, and then there's a whole slew of different criteria. It's a whole different game. It's called the private markets, the private equity market. People can't play in that game unless they understand how to get played. We fully understand what investors need to know about our business in order to choose. Because let me tell you something. There's a lot, this feeds the American economy right here. Private businesses, private companies, private organizations investing at that level, it, it, it provides the American dream. You have control over your money, you can earn a living, you can uh, control a portion of the business, you could potentially have a, a significant return. I mean, when I say significant return, this is okay, I'll make 20%. This is no, I'll make times three what I invested. <laughs> is that 20%? That's 300%. There's a big chasm here, isn't there? This is the difference between the general public and business people. General public and entrepreneurs. Safe, a little bit of risk. But as entrepreneurs, what do we do with risk? How do we manage risk? We manage it, first of all, and we mitigate it. We decide we take as much risk as possible and we mitigate it. We try to not, we try to know as much as we can so that we can control as much as we can and that we can take the risk out of the equation. But a lot of times it's very difficult to take risk out. There's always going to be an element of risk. Well, it's also interesting because you light up because it's relevant to you. 
you understand. But do you know about Google? Or do you know what's happening at Google? Are you working at Google? Do you have a relationship with the owner or the CEO or the board of directors? Zero. You have no idea how they're using their money, the money that you're going to give them a million dollars. You have no idea how they're going to use it. So why do you trust? Why would you put a million dollars into an organization that you have no idea? You've the seen. name, the brand. Doesn't matter. This has the historical stock prices of Google. So if you invested Google here February 7th, and then today, what happened to your, your money? It went down fairly significantly. It went down almost 10%. And what did you have to do with that? Nothing. Completely out of your control. Completely out. Of, and, and really, how much, if Google's market cap is $1.222 how much is $1 million of Google? It's like nothing. I'm just highlighting some things. And what's cool is that this, this information is public. Yeah. And then we can look into it. So they do share about what's happening. And there's some other aspects of this. Cool to see the return on assets see their earnings, their projected earnings, they have to publish this because the SEC, they're required to, because they have people like us that can invest in it, so therefore they have to be transparent. So that's the other thing. It's regulated, which makes us feel as if our money is going to be a little bit safer, but we have no control over it. Okay, so let's move forward with Tesla. Google's safer. And is it, so this safe, is that a good thing? It's a secure thing. It feels good to be safe. Yeah. But when we're investors, do we want to take the risk or do we not? So that kind of goes with the, the second question. Is what is our strategy? And it all depends on incentive. It all depends on the game we're playing, the general gist of what we're doing, what our fund is for, how, what kind of returns are expected from our investors. The setup was very void of any kind of detail, but on purpose. How come when they have four options? Why wouldn't there be more? So the difference between Google and Tesla, Tesla has tangible assets. They have vehicles, right? They, they, they produce a product. What is Google producing? Can you hold an app? Would you have any liquidity? Like, would you be able to sell anything? Internet revolution is why Google has the majority, if not all, of its value. Is the internet going anywhere? It's probably not going to disappear anytime soon. No. Think about that. And if you have a million dollars, you put it somewhere. Do you want to put it in something that's tangible? That if, God forbid, something really horrible is going to happen, at least you have... 800,000 worth of assets or 500,000 worth of assets that you can liquidate or hold on to, whatever. But Google, in 2004, they went public. How long has Tesla been around for? 2010, they went public. Look at, look at Tesla here. Look at the, this stage here. But what do you think they were doing in this phase? They were doing the lean startup. They were investing in their products. They were, they were doing research and development. They were working on their technology. And then what happened here? What event happened there? They launched what? Their, their product, their Model T or whatever it was that wasn't the Model T, but it was like the Model S. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. But they started delivering them to the mass market and they started making them for the regular consumer uh, here where more people had access to it. The price was cheaper and they went nuts. And also what happened here, and this is, there was an environmental factor that created an inflation Tesla stock. So now we have Tesla stock up here at $371 a share. Where it was, right here was 12 bucks, 20 bucks. And now it's at 300. So what does that mean? What is that called? Okay, so we talked about Google, we talked about Tesla. Now let's talk about cold stone cream. What's, what's yeah. the outlier? So is ice cream a commodity? Okay. Like, is this something a lot of it's people are gonna want? Can you invest in cold stone creamery? How? It has to have a digital market in order to invest in it? You definitely can, but it's a different kind of investment. It's a franchise model, exactly. So you can buy 
franchise. You can buy a Cold Stone franchise. So, but also Cold Stone was founded in, in 1988, well before Google and Tesla even came on the map. And they're still around, they're still making ice cream, they're delivering ice cream, they have some great ice cream. I don't know the last time I've been to Cold Stone, it's a great place. Yeah, it's pretty consistent, it's solid. Would they be able to manufacture the same kind of return as Tesla or Google? Like, if something crazy or disruptive happened in ice cream in the last couple of years, that where they're like, you're gonna make, you're gonna go a million to a hundred million in six years with that investment. Meaning a million dollars will turn into a hundred million dollars. Will that happen in cold stone? You never know what could happen. Yeah. Yeah. But the probability is a little bit lower. Tesla, it could go from a million to zero. <laughs> it could go from a million to 300,000, or it could go from a million to 100 million in five or six years. We don't know. They, they could literally reinvent how we travel in space, if we travel in space. If I told you you can go to space tomorrow, most of the people say no, but some people say yeah. yeah. And I said it would be $100,000 for that ticket. Most people say no, but people say yeah. Uh, I bet the stock price will go pretty quickly. But we don't have any control over that. So but the point is, I'm trying to show you these different perspectives when it comes to this mindset of investing and this mindset of what is proper investment, and then we'll go to the strategy in a second. But let me tell you something about Colson. If you were to buy a creamery, do you have control on how that franchise operates? How much control do you have on how that franchise operates? You, sorry, let's compare it to an investment into Tesla, an investment into Google versus an investment into I just bought with a million dollars. I think you could buy, buy three franchises, three of them. Your, your team just bought three franchises. Do you have control on how that works? Welcome to business operations. Like These are your franchises. You bought them legally from Colson. You now have freedom on how to operate these franchises. You have restrictions on, on the procedures and the marketing and what you can do with it, but those are yours. You bought them. You can show up on Wednesday, show up on Thursday. You can hire and fire. You could put flyers out for more ice cream. You could not have certain flavors. You have a lot of control over how that business operates. So again, I ask, would you passively just invest in Tesla? Invest in, or would you choose to spend a million dollars and invest in a franchise model where you have three franchises and you can run that franchise? If you work hard and you you do well, you make money. You control whether or not you make money. You have a, more of a locus of control. But here, let's just like let's hope and let's pray that that Google and Tesla know what they're doing and can make me a return. And if they do make a return, it's probably not going to happen over a year. It might happen over ten years. But I have very little control. I have a very small stake in this. But if you capture three cold stones, one in South Miami, one in Coral Gables, and one in Dateland. You're doing all right for yourself. Yeah. You got some control over that. Could you also fail? You could. But the nice thing about Colstone is they have a, what do they have that will help you hopefully not fail? They have a demonstrated model that has proven itself over a long period of time to work. And it's also ice cream. And who doesn't want ice cream? <laughs> so not everybody wants to travel in space. Not everybody really cares about what Google's doing. So let's talk about Bitcoin and Ethereum. Let's just go for Bitcoin because I pulled that up. How long has Bitcoin been around for? Okay, so it's one of the newest ones on the board, right? It's one of the riskier ones. Volatile. Is volatility a bad thing? Thinking like investors is different than thinking like entrepreneurs, isn't it? But as entrepreneurs, we need whom? Investors. So therefore, we have to think like investors. We have to understand what does it mean to have opportunities. 
What does it mean to have a return? How do we formulate and predict returns? How do we come up with valuations when you see these market caps? How do we determine what the future is going to look like? How can we invite people in to invest on what the future is going to be? What kinds of returns are they looking for? Are they looking for stable organizations, volatile organizations, major disruptive organizations, steady organizations? And what organization are we? And why are we seeking funding? And whom should we be talking to about potentially funding our venture? There's a lot of attention with technology nowadays, isn't there? You could probably have more interest in investors are interested in the space of technology. You're also bringing together people. You just had a job as, as an associate for venture capital fund or private equity fund. We're putting the hat on as investor. All right, let's, let's go big. Let's go 100. Your compensation is strictly based on returns. Strictly. So the only money you get is after a year of investing $100 million, you get 20% of the returns. If it goes down, you get nothing. If it stays the same, you get nothing. If it doubles, it goes from 100 million in a year, and this happens every year. Every year you get 20% of whatever returns it could be. Year two, it's 200. So what would be your wages if it doubles? 20% of 100 million is $20 million. If that was the case, what would you invest in? You're strictly compensated based on returns. Think about how you would act and the ways in which you would think differently. And maybe you would go out and look for something that's maybe a little riskier because you make nothing, you make nothing, or you make a ton of money. Well, let's group these together as the public financial markets. They're public financial markets. You can trade them on a regular basis. Do you think that these organizations over the next year are going to provide you with an income? How do you know? I mean, Google literally could be flat over a year. All three of those companies could be flat. They could even go down. If you don't invest in they don't make any money. You get no compensation. So this is what investors call return on investment. This is what investors call return on equity. This is what drives a lot of our decision making. This is this reality of where do we put our money? It all stems from this question of how do I beat inflation and, and how do I earn a living? And then also how do I get the most out of my investments? Three questions. What's inflation? What does that mean for our money that's sitting in the bank account not earning any interest and loses value? So if you have a dollar, you, you keep it in your bank account, you don't do anything with it, you don't invest it, and inflation's at 7%. So that means things cost more. So your dollar really isn't as powerful as it was a year ago. That is where time value of money comes into play. So let's just say inflation's at 5%. What do investors need at least on that $100 million on their return? They need at least 5%. Just to, have, just to be break-even with their money. So that, that's a big deal. So what investments out there likely would yield 5% gain? Safe U.S. treasuries, bonds, maybe a, like a, a large cap mutual fund. You guys, let's just say cash is one option. Treasury uh, and bonds. Then you have stocks, which are a little riskier. 
And in stocks, you have large cap, and then you have, you have medium, and then you have small. And even in stocks, you have domestic, and you have international. Cash is like the safest, right? Which is literally losing money. Treasury and bonds are, you could maybe lose money if the US government collapses, or there's some risk to it, but it's not, it's not that risky. How about stocks? A little bit more risk. And then how about investing in private companies and business? The most risky of everything up here. What happens when you take risks? You got $100 million, you put it in cash, likely it's going to go down due to inflation. You got $100 million, you put it in treasury and bonds, you're going to likely might make 5%. But you guys to follow me. They're safe. They're pretty straightforward. You might make 2 to 3% yield. Not really that exciting. You won't lose it. Well, you could lose everything. The U.S. could. We could be gone. We could not have it. It's an investment. It's just not as safe as cash. And then how about stocks? Not nearly as safe as treasuries. Certainly not as safe as cash, but can likely provide more. There's a difference between single stocks and mutual funds. The reality is there's a, there's a big game here. People play a game here. But the point is this negative 5%. This plus three to six percent. This has the potential to be minus fifteen percent or plus twenty percent. Who knows? After a year in this game, potentially great. This is this is the game we're gonna play. Is if we have the money as investors, and obviously we're gonna frame this. We're at, towards the end of the class. We're gonna spin it to okay. Now we're the entrepreneurs and we're presenting to investors. Will there be opportunities where we have to be able to present our business in a consolidated amount of time? And if we have interest from somebody and they ask a follow-up question, is that a good thing? Yes. Yeah. We want to formulate interest. Likely there will be some formidable understanding that if you're going to be sitting in these seats, I'm going to be, you're going to give me five minutes of your time, and I'm going to ask you to fund my venture. Most likely you are already interested. Now I have to convince you why this business is a better investment than keeping it in cash, putting in treasury bonds, putting in the stock market, or investing in another company besides mine. So I have to quantify your investment. I have to come up with assumptions. I have to list financially what this investment of yours is going to look like. And I'm going to have to convince you, the person who is very good at managing money, that this investment is going to be, is going to provide a better return than other investments that you can potentially invest your money into. That's a big deal. That's why we're sitting here today. So real human and financial capital must be rented from owners. Money has owners and therefore costs. Time value we talked about, risk. If you don't invest this money, the money is literally going to depreciate value. So we must invest it. In order to invest it, somebody has to borrow it. When they borrow it, what do we expect as investors? We expect to rent it to them. You guys just have my money. Here you go. No, we're renting it to them and we expect in return a percentage, a fee that allows us to feel equitable because I gave you the money. When a person rents something they own, they usually make margin on it. They make more from it. And then risk it, the risk of lending somebody or giving somebody or investing somebody money is that you might not get it back. <laughs> you might not get it back, or when you get it back, it's not gonna be as much as you originally gave. Or when you get it back, it's not gonna be, you'll get more, right? Like your investment will appreciate, but it won't appreciate at the amount you expected it to. These are all real things that investors have to deal with when they understand that real human and financial capital must be rented from owners.
if you rented them. So now switch the hat to the to the entrepreneur. You're the investors. I'm the entrepreneur. I'm here to rent your money. I'd like you to give me your money, and in return, I will give you a return on your investment, an ROI. Expect to provide a return, or the venture will not survive in a market economy. Risk and expected reward go hand in hand. Time value is not the only cost when using others' funds. More risk, more expected return. How much more? Depends on the market. What is the language of business? Accounting. It's the language of business. If you can't speak accounting, it's very difficult for us to speak business. There's all of this hype around entrepreneurship and all this hype and passion around the idea and ideation and company entrepreneur and the passion. The passion must be met with acumen. The passion must be met with understanding. The passion must be met with understanding revenue, expenses, or revenue costs, gross margin, expenses, and profit. And then you have to take that sheet and you have to put it out a year and put it out five years and you have to justify all of the assumptions you make in those projections. We have to learn how to do that in our businesses. We have to have reasons for that. So what do we think about first? Month one, year one, what do we need to do? I mean, how, what drives the costs and the revenue? We need to do something. What do we need to do? So the key activities and the key resources. Developing, designing. Okay, how much does developing cost? How long is that going to take? Developing costs money, correct? Yeah. Let's just say it costs $20,000. And how about designing? All right, 5K. So just as an example, we use both of these. We have $25,000. Have we sold a single thing? No. And this is just called, this is called seed capital. We call it seed investment. But what does it mean, seed? Beginning. When you think of a seed, what do you think of? Start. The analogy is perfect because the seed is in the ground. Can you see the plant? No. But is something happening? What is happening? Developing, Developing and designing underneath the surface. Yeah. Cool. Will this company experience revenues from the moment they get their seed capital? All right, so we got month one, month two, month three, month four, month five, month six, month seven. Month eight, month nine, month 10, month 11, and then you got month 12, and then you got year, year one, you got year two, year three, and then let's just say year five. You got 11 months here operating. This is your revenue. How much revenue are you going to What is it contingent upon? It's contingent upon you finishing your developing and designing. When you start having revenue, what does that mean? You've released your product. That's a big milestone, isn't it? So I show you, okay, this month, we're at $100,000 in revenue. What does that intuitively tell a person looking at this? If I'm looking at this financial statement, I'm saying, all right, how, you're, not making any, you're not making any revenue. Any revenue. But if I, oh, what happened? Oh, I'm just going to say, what happened here? Oh, you launched your product, right? Yeah. So there's an assumption that is in your mind, that's in your head, that you displayed financially. But there is something that happened here. There's a story behind that $100,000. We took our seed capital, $25,000. We, we developed it in these four months here. And in month five, we launched it. Therefore, we expect in month five, remember, we're sitting here. We don't know what the future looks like. We're sitting here. We expect in month five, based on that investment, that we're going to create $100,000 worth of revenue in month five. That's the story. Obviously, $100,000 of revenue means not $100,000 in profit. Yeah. So we have something called cost of goods sold. What cost of goods sold? Expenses and costs are a little bit different. In this case, cost of goods sold would be, but you're, you're likely going to have 
fees from Apple. Uh, maybe you hire a, a sales team that takes 5% of every app sold. Like there's going to be a cost associated with generating that revenue that's directly proportional to that revenue. So think about a t-shirt example. If I, if I sell you this t-shirt, my cost of goods is the material that the t-shirt is on, the, the printing, the Calvin Klein, that's a part of my cost. So every time I sell an additional unit, my costs also go up. It's the cost directly associated with the volume of whatever it is we're selling. Again, think about a t-shirt versus an app. There's more cost associated with a t-shirt than an app. So which means the margin on a t-shirt is going to be lower than the margin on something digital. Does a t-shirt require developing, designing? Does it require $25,000 worth of like back-end thinking and designing? The answer is no, it doesn't. If you wanted a t-shirt, I could probably go print you a t-shirt right now. I'll yeah. figure it out. It doesn't take a lot of investment into a t-shirt company to, to print t-shirts. It's sort of already set up. It's already formulated. In which case, there's more competition out there. In which case, the cost of, of a t-shirt is pretty well understood. $10 is what I'm selling a t-shirt for. My costs are going to be about 5 bucks. So I can sell volumes of t-shirts and make decent margin. But with the app, it's different. The app is going to take some time to think about, to create, to conjure up, to uh, develop and design. I mean, this is this is pretty conservative. I oh, could yeah. be a hundred thousand. Oh, yeah, 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 no, definitely. You have to hire some people to like market it and promote it and, and launch it. You can't just like put it on the app store and expect people to start downloading it. So likely you're going to contract with another company. And again, this is getting more into the intricacies of the business. You have to contract with a company. That company is going to say, no problem. We'll help you sell your apps. We're going to take 5% of every single download. So therefore, every single time there's an additional download, they have, they're going to take some more money. So your costs are going to increase. But you want them to be successful, but you're going to have to share in that success. Costs of goods sold that are associated with applications. Apple store fees. Presumed additional costs that are going to be associated with additional volume. Okay, cool. So now let's go to t-shirts. What happens? What are some costs in t-shirts? Mostly just the materials, maybe shipping. It's going to be more. Material shipping, there might be a direct sales fee in there. Here's what I'm trying to display. Uh, the volume is probably not going to be increasing at the, the same rate. Margin of 399,000 versus a total margin of 420,000. So all this work, all this work here, work, 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 work. The margins are, are roughly the same, but we've only been selling for three months. Why don't we start dragging this thing out further? Who's going to be winning this race? The app. Why? Because the margins are higher. Yeah. Which is riskier? Yeah. yeah. Could, could this not happen? Yeah. This might not happen too. There might not be a product market fit. Is timing important here? Is timing important? What if, what if this actually doesn't happen until yeah. month eight? So we're negative 200, negative 200, negative 200, and then all of a sudden we start hitting here, and that's a couple months delay. So these are the projections. These are this, and all we looked at is revenue and our cost of goods sold. But this formulation of these numbers and the stories behind these numbers is what we're going to be talking about. And the why. I mean, this to me, this gets me excited because this is real. It's tangible. These these are facts. These are figures, and we're applying it. Got a business? Great idea. Cool business model. Did you do anything? Activities. Key activities. Activities cost. Money. When we perform activities, we are hopefully taking money for our own salaries, for our own well-being. We're performing, developing, and designing. 
we're investing in infrastructure, we're creating, we're hiring and outsourcing partners, we're using our business model, and we're, we're pumping juice in it. <laughs> when we're pumping juice in it, we're hoping to get a, a margin. So we're making assumptions based on activities that will be performed as to where we believe the margin will be based on completing these activities. Those activities will be milestones, running a lonely shop all by himself. What's Pablo need? Team. What is a team? What happens when you start hiring team members? Costs go up. <laughs> so if you're if you're pumping juice into the operation and you're doing decent here and here, hopefully you're hiring a team member down here. Yeah, we launch in month five and in month six we hire three people, four people, five people. Costs maybe aren't much, costs aren't much, costs aren't much, and then boom, cost. You know, with people, it's not just one month, continual costs. If the assumption is we launch here and the assumption is we hire here, they have to be demonstrated in, in the financials. And there has to be reasoning behind it. Hey, you know, we're, we're not just, our activities are aligning with our investment strategy, which are aligning with our pro forma, our expected returns. And we're, we're showing you financially what happens when you hire people. We're telling you, Mr. Investor, that this is where your money's going. We're not just putting it in our pockets and saying, let's just, you know, let's invest in treasury bonds. Oh, thank you so much, investor, for that money. I'm going to throw it in the stock market. Might lose 15%, might make 20%. That's great. No, 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 no. You're going to have to figure out your business model, and you're going to have to pump juice into that business model. You're going to have to demonstrate financially what that is going to look like. And then once we have this sort of projected out, the next thing we're going to have to do is put a valuation on this projection. But that comes once we have a totality for year one, a totality for year two, a totality for year three, and then hopefully, what happens year five? Big event for us. We exit. We sell it, maybe. But we want to know, we want to plan the end in the beginning. We want to know what are we selling it for. And if we want to sell it for, if the goal is three times what we invested, we have to take a look at what is the valuation today, what's the valuation in a year, and what's that valuation going to be in five years? Because we're going to have to provide a projected return to our investors. Is that fun? <laughs> I was like, some people like it, some people don't like it. But this is, if I, if I may go back to why I'm so frustrated at times where people, it doesn't frustrate me. I love entrepreneurship. I love when people get excited about entrepreneurship. But when they don't talk about this, when they don't talk about the language of business being accounting, is the currency in business is cash. I'm so happy you have a great idea. I'm so thrilled you have a problem that you're going to solve. And I'm even more thrilled that you went through Lean Startup. You have this awesome business model. Now show me the money. Show me how this is going to make a return. And even a lot of times we don't have to find investors, even for our own understanding. If we're going to run this business and we're going to take it seriously and we're going to pursue this full time, or if we're going to bring other people into it, we've got to have a plan financially and have goals to execute on.